Okay. Hey. Hey. It's going off track. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's a very special episode. They're all special. This episode in particular is awesome. It is Stephen, Brad, and Jonah. Yes, but we're all here. I emphasize the and for that because you're back from Southeast Asia and we missed you. Thank you. It feels really good to be back. He's been back from Southeast Asia now for like a couple podcasts. It's yeah. Been amazing. Keeps going and coming back. Because we release these in a timely manner. <laughs> it's exhausting. That's why I cannot get on a normal sleep schedule. <laughs> he goes a lot. His freaking flyer miles are insane. Today's guest is Mr. Mark Beamer. Uh, he started an organization called Shirts for a Cure. It's part of the Sorrentha Savio Endowment. He's going to talk about it ad nauseum with us. He's an awesome dude. It is an amazing charity. It supports breast cancer it basically gives money to women seeking breast cancer treatment right now, impoverished women who can't afford it. It's for various clinics across the country. He's an awesome guy. What he does is so creative, so DIY, so punk rock, and it's just gotten bigger and better. He's a good dude. It's going All right, today in the studio, one of our favorite people in the world, Mark Beamer. We're going to do that every show now. <laughs> every yes. show together. Um, Mark Beamer, the man behind Shirts for a Cure, my all-time favorite organization. Um, I was about ready to say charity. Is that is that an appropriate description? Legally, yes, we are a charity. Legally, yes. We are, we are legally a 5013C, publicly funded charity. Mm-hmm. The IRS makes you jump through all sorts of hoops. So legally, yes, we can say charity. That's very cool. Because we actually do give money away like other organizations don't. Yeah, I... Yes. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, the world the world of charities is, is very, very fascinating. Um uh learned a lot about that recently, uh reading about that documentary, uh Place at the Table, mm-hmm. uh, which is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh John, I think you met Mark well, I met you through uh the first producer of the show worked on at Fuse, Bruce McDonald, through well, Bruce is very good at outreach with mm-hmm. television and hooked us up. And John, how long have you known Mark? I don't know. I guess maybe Warp Tour or something. Yeah, Warped oh four oh five something like yeah, that. Yeah, it all kind of. It just together. became like there he is. I yeah. know that guy exactly. It, there's so many people like that. You just like you meet and you don't know how or why, and you're like he's just part of your life now. You know. And you, Mark was at the first United Nations show. Uh, yeah, oh, well, he didn't even know I was in the band. I, he just I was like, I thought you were just hanging out. I was like, no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go play now. I'm gonna go play. I got, I got this guitar. <laughs> All right, so now you've done this a gazillion times, but for our listeners, uh, how did Shirts for a Cure start? Well, I was looking for a way to bilk people out of money, so I started to, No, of course not. Um, <laughs> no, your charity, Mark. Your charity. <clears throat> In the January of 2002, my wife passed away from breast cancer. Um, she had lost her battle of three years, and she fought it, beat it, Came back 18 months later, and um, it was very aggressive, and she passed away. Um, I was too young to really understand what to do with uh, stress and grief and depression. So instead of actually fixing myself and talking to somebody, I I threw myself into things. Photography, going back on tour, and on a whim started an endowment just to keep her name around through Georgetown University, where she was treated at the Lombardi Center there. Um, they initially, they're like, okay, this is great. We, we, we support you, but you need, you need to bring us 50 grand. I was like, fuck. Oh, am I allowed to swear? 
please. Absolutely. Uh, and I was like, this is never going to happen. So uh, I started thinking, okay, and, and so I started thinking generically, like, okay, it's a charity. Let's do a, a dinner. Let's do a walk. Let's do, okay, let's let, let me beg all everybody I know for money. And it uh, started to slowly move along. She worked at the small little uh, tech firm at the moment called America Online. And at the time, when she first started working for them, they were very small. And they started paying her in stock initially and paid everybody in stock. They didn't actually pay people. It was really weird. But when they became huge, all these people vested and bailed and had lots and lots of money. So after she passed away, luckily we had some of those people invest in us. Um, so we, we went on for about a year or so doing the generic charity things. But it didn't really feel like me. It didn't feel like who I wanted this to be. And I didn't even know if I wanted this to go on beyond the initial 50 grand, which I thought was going to take me 10 years to, to raise, which I was fine with. You know, I would, I would do my photography and do other things and just, that would be a side project. And for photography, was it mostly bands? Oh yeah, all bands. I've been shooting, excuse me, I've been shooting bands since the eighties. Um, and, uh, and this was where? In DC. In DC. Mm -hmm. Wait, why did you need to raise 50 grand? I'm just... The, for for a named endowment at Georgetown University, okay. you needed a, an initial investment of 50 grand. Got it. So they invest the 50 grand and then they use the interest um, or whatever is made from their investments for to uh, to help women. So, But the 50 grand always stays there. So named account. Essentially a way to keep her name around. Um, and this was, you know, again me just wanting to keep her name around didn't didn't have any idea that it would go beyond that after about a year or so um i think we were at maybe 17 grand and i was like that's fine whatever uh and at the time i was traveling a lot with the uh, jg records kids um we would go to festivals we would do mac rock um mid-atlantic rock festival out in uh, james madison university yes it used uh, to be called kool-aid when i was there yeah and it was, uh, Mac Rock was fun because it was essentially, we would go and we were like the old guards. So we would just do whatever we wanted. No, we don't want our booth there. We're going to move you here. And the kids would like, look at us like, no, no, get away. So we just kind of took over and, and we would do whatever we wanted. So we did that for about two years and, and I would travel with the JG Cruise all the time. And we went down to, um, Crazy Fest, Initial Fest back in the day when it actually made money and was fun down by Joe's Crab Shack. Um, Which one was this? Do you remember? Was it the outdoor AFI, one? Yeah, yeah. AFI played, Sick of It All played. It was the year after Vagrant took over. Okay. Vagrant went down one year on the tour, and it was huge. And the, I, we went down the year after. Okay. And it was outside, down by the water, outside stage, and all the vendors were underneath the overpass, underneath the highway. Weird. Um, anyway, so uh, I was dealing with loss, I, and I went down with them. Uh, Dan Eamon at the time was dealing with um, divorce and, and, you know, trying to figure out his life as well. So he came down with us and we just, you know, were depressed, grumpy, bro grumpy old men for the weekend. And we started talking about my plans for the foundation. And Dave Haas was there egging us on. Like, yeah, yeah. Dave Haas was like the little cheerleader at the time. Um, he was just a roadie kid then. He, he hadn't been in any bands or anything. And the three of us were talking, and out of nowhere, I, and I, I just asked Dan Eamon to get Kid Diamond back together. And without hesitation, he said, yes, let's do it. Um, so within, within six months, we had planned um, what became the Kid Dynamite weekend. Initially, it was going to be one show. 
and then it became two shows and it became three shows and it became this, this, this event and it was going to all benefit what was named at the moment, um, the Sorrento Salvio Endowment. And it, it was a phenomenal weekend. It was, uh, we raised 20 grand, um, without even trying. And we, we sold 749 t-shirts to 1200 kids. So, I knew there was something there. I mean, I had always believed in the power of the T-shirt. I had been buying T-shirts ever since the Safari Club days and, and going to shows, and I, I love T-shirts. You must have some cool shirts from taking some pictures in the 80s around D.C. Yeah, some. Some. Maybe a storage space filled, but uh, <laughs> not joking. Uh, it's, um, yeah, t- I, I've always loved the T-shirt, and I'll never not wear a T-shirt, you know. Um, what am I wearing today? Let's find out. What are you wearing? Uh, I've got, got the refused uh, sweatshirt. The uh, um, sweatshirt. American Nightmare shirt. Yeah, Church for Cure American Nightmare shirt, which you cannot buy online because our distribution company is scared of being sued. Really? Yeah, because well, they were they were straight up sued initially when American Nightmare was being had all those issues. So now they're still scared of them. Uh, maybe take the United Nations shirts up there too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because it's fun. We have those shirts up there. And it has a huge picture of Mao, and no one complains. They're like, this is awesome. I'm like, you know, we're going to get in trouble. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so uh, I knew there was something there. And then I knew that the power of the t shirt could be something besides just a cool shirt. Um, at the time, I had a Greyhound, Otis. And we used to, I used to take on, on these epically, epically long walks. And I would always do my best thinking walking with him or between midnight and four in the morning. All, all the great ideas come at that time. Where were you living at this time? At that time, I was living in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Okay. Um, living in a house well beyond what we should have afforded, but, you know, when you have crazy stock. Just to go back, how'd you get hooked up with the J-Tree guys, just going to shows? Uh, Tim and Darren and I have known each other since high school. Okay. Tim, Tim and I went to high school together. We were not in the same year. I'm older than Tim. Um, and But we hooked up then, and I started um, hanging out with Darren it's an awesome sound. It's a good one. Are we in a horror movie? <laughs> we are in a horror movie. <laughs> I feel like someone's going to like bust in through the store with a knife. I would be slightly concerned if I didn't know that Brad would freak out and mix that away anyway. So we can keep going. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, Darren, I met at a World's Collide show with Gut Instinct and uh, Sheer Terror back back then. Uh-huh. He was he was always a kid who used to uh, tour with Turning Point. And uh, so I knew him then. So I probably saw you at the last Railhead show. Oh, definitely. I was on stage um, sprinkling everybody with uh, sparkling cider. It was a veil and railhead. Yeah. I was there. I have got that hand screen poster on my fridge right now. I, I, I regret to this day getting rid of that avail shirt. I don't know what happened, mm-hmm. why I did, but. Avail. Oh, yes. So, um, all right. So you guys are sitting, so you hash it out, and you have this great idea walking the dog. Walking about- the dog late at night. Um, I, I knew that Thursday had done a charity shirt for their buddy Sean. And, um, the Sean McGrath. Yeah. Okay. And it was, um, it did relatively well. He raised, he, he made a couple thousand dollars on it. And I think, well, if we did that on a large scale, actually that's, let me, let me back up. I'm rambling. I know, but, um, the initial idea was to have all my old grumpy friends give me their hardcore shirts and band dudes give me all their old shirts. And then sell them like this was worn by Chris Wallard. It's his integrity shirt. And then we would sell them and raise money. But band dudes are flakes. 
they can't even figure out how to get from point A to point B and play their own show, let alone go through their storage space and find old T-shirts and put them in a box for UPS. I love that you use Chris Wallet's example, too. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, so we decided that was not going to happen. Um, and we, uh, at the time, I used to I hung out with Brian McTurnan on a daily basis. And I would always bounce ideas off of him, and he had some great ideas. And... Um, so it, we 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 would talk, and it was it was just an idea that we decided wasn't going to happen. <clears throat> so I decided that this idea that sh- that Thursday had could be done on a large scale. So I started approaching all my friends' bands to allow me to use their likeness or allow me to design a shirt with them in mind and um, sell them and use the pro- proceeds to build the endowment. But at that time, the endowment had had really spun into a foundation um, to that, that I wanted to run on, on a daily basis, not just leave a named account. Um, we wanted to give money away yearly to different uh, clinics around the country that were helping uh, impoverished women now. As much as we love research, we want to affect women as quickly as possible. Uh, so we find clinics that do outreach and have... Um, Patients come to them, um, people who are actually being treated at the moment. So that's, and that's still our mantra now. We, we want to affect people as soon as possible. So we, we, I started approaching my friend's bands, um, Darkest Hour, first band to sign on. So Darkest Hour, Hot Water Music, Bouncing Souls. Um, we, we, on a whim, approached Thursday, Taking Back Sunday, and these weird, dirty kids in a van called My Chemical Romance. And they all said yes. Um, and so we, we went out out of the gates with a good handful of decent shirts. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, what year was this? The first summer we did – the first summer we did Warp Tour was the first year we introduced Shirts for Cure. That was '04. Okay. I did, I did Warp Tour by myself on the West Coast. I would work all day. And then drive all night, and then there would be some sort of sleep for you know three or four hours of sleep somewhere. Um, always like right before setup or right after before bus call or whatever, um, or van call. If you want to see some really weird things, don't sleep and drive between L.A. and San Francisco, and you can just see some wild things, man. <laughs> <laughs> Were you designing the shirts at this point? At the time, I did everything. Um, How'd you come up with the designs? Well, uh, Matt Michaels, a friend of mine, did some of them, but mostly I didn't. I did essentially I would look at the shirts that were doing well for that particular band and uh I would not mimic but design with that in mind. Um the Taking Back Sunday shirt that we did um was a was a cornfield. It just kind of felt right for what they were doing at the time and it did really well. It's a cornfield and it was a photograph I took in Minneapolis outside this uh haunted house, like legitimately haunted house. Um legitimately well you know kids oh it's haunted mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna take pictures of the corn go away <laughs> uh and then inc did a shirt with us and I, I designed that one the hot water shirt i designed uh the soul shirt i designed most of them were just shirts that i would wear um initially that's what it was it was like oh, would i wear this i'll then i will design it and i'll sell it who came up with the, the shirts logo the the rose 
the rose was done by Matt Michaels, right. um, old friend of mine, a designer. And that was kind of like, we really need to put something on this first shirt so people know, know what it is. And it just became, um, it's on every single shirt now. It's a, for people who don't know, on the back upper, <clears throat> right by your collar, there's a rose. Underneath it explains why you explains where the proceeds go for the from this shirt. Um, so it just kind of snowballed out of control, and out of control in a good way. Um, other bands saw that their idols were involved in this organizations, and they wanted to be involved. Um, at the time, I had a friend who worked for MTV, and she used her email address um, to get people to actually read emails because you know you you. A manager sees an email come in from an organization he's never heard of. He's going to either put it in the circular bin or not, or, or just ignore it. Um, but an a email comes in from MTV, he at least will scan it. So we use that trick. Um, so we got a, a couple of bands that way. We actually, that's how we got hooked up with Rise Against um, when they were just young kids still. And. Uh, Missy Worth has become one of our biggest supporters, and we love Missy. She'll do anything for us. Uh, and now that she works with Title Fight, Title Fight is one of our biggest supporters as well. Also, um, do you have, do you have a lot of bands approaching you? Now we do. Um, we just started working with uh, Young London. Um, it's like a dancey. I don't know. I can't explain it to you. It's something young man from London. Um, if you can't explain it, that means I'm interested because. If you didn't use, oh, it sounds like blah and blah. Usually I go, well, I'll just go listen to blah and you blah. You love London. I love London. It's a great town. There you that go. big Ferris wheel. <laughs> Which is still up. I thought they were going to take it down. I really wish they would. Come on, man. It's a good skyline feature. It's yeah. on all those t-shirts now. Yeah, anytime you see a giant, I don't know. Anytime a city is associated with a giant building, it's like, unless it's New York, which I guess we've just grown accustomed to. But, you know, I guess they're just psyched, like, oh, it's no more Big Ben. We just get now the, the London Eye. <laughs> oh, then I. We're changing things. We're stoked. If anybody out there wants to know the secret on how to get on the eye quicker, normally it's like a four-hour wait. But if you go and do the champagne ride, it's only 10 more pounds, That's, which isn't that much money. You're already spending 50 pounds to do the thing. If you spend 10 more pounds, you get to go right away and you have your own private car and they, and they give you champagne. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. All right. Yeah. Worth it. I learned that from Bob from my chem. We were on <laughs> tour together in, in London. He's like, here's the deal. And I was like, okay. And it, I was like, it's never going to work. And right away, got him. It was awesome. Jonah, we're booking flights immediately. Let's do it. Um, what other bands are you working with? Sorry. Well, okay. New bands that we're working with. Um, we just did a municipal waste shirt. They um, they've been supporters for a while, but haven't we haven't been able to work together? They they're really stringent about their art, so we have to use their designers, and their designers are designers, so it takes forever, and um, either they'll forget or they'll uh, get something else going. So the idea is, so you you have the shirts, then you go out on on various tours. It was started out as you, mm -hmm. but it's grown, yes, and you've done different tours and different things, and. Um, yeah, so in 04, we started to, we did Warp Tour, and on total whim, we are like, I, sure, let's do Warp Tour. And we did six dates, three in the West and three in the East. And um, we were supposed to do 10, but we sold out of shirts. So we were like, this is awesome. So there's something here. Uh, 
the next summer we did Warped and Taste of Chaos. I guess that was in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the the huge Taste of Chaos with um, Kill Switch and My Chem and, and The Used. Uh, it was, Under Oath? Mm, yeah. No, well, they weren't, well, no, well, they might have done some dates. The main support was a static lullaby. Dude, I think Under Oath is Yeah, Under Oath was the, like the baby band. Yeah. Mm. Must like have playing lobbies or something. Must have been the tour because we started... I covered that the first mm-hmm. four days. Mm-hmm. It was there. Oh, was since, yeah, sometimes it was had senses, changes it was when I was on it. was fail when, I, when, when it first went out. Yeah. Fail. Um, yeah, buddy. We've had Buddy in here. I love um, Buddy. Guy killed me. It was his 21st birthday at that Taste of Chaos thing. <laughs> really? And um, everyone from Fuse who was there, except for Bruce, uh, we were ridiculously drunk. <laughs> like I just started dating uh, my wife at the time. And just started dating her. My wife is my present wife, not at the time. <laughs> that, that was a little confusing. Wasn't that weird? Zing. Yeah. Um, in my head, I'm like, there's this new joke where you call your wife your ex-girlfriend. I just find that very funny to me. Um, <laughs> whatever. Everyone was so drunk from that tour. I was literally walking back on the phone like, I don't know where I am. I'm in Orlando. And she's like, you don't know where the tour is? I'm like, nope. Just walking around. Uh, but so that was so I, so you were on that Taste of Chaos. And, and warped that year? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, we we've done warped every every year since '04. Ah. Um, and I'll admit I hate warped tour with a passion, but <laughs> people love us on warped tour, mm-hmm. so we do warped tour every year. It's just a hard tour. Yeah, it's just, I mean I'm old, you know I can't do that tour anymore. It's a circus. I stopped doing it when I was like 27. Yeah. I was like I'm too old. Right. Like, everyone here is like 10. Yeah, t- exactly. 10. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all Jeffrey Star, and you're yes. like, uh, okay, awesome. Um, but they're excited. And yeah, and I'm not. And I just want to find a place to sit. And there's no place to sit. And the bathrooms are issues. And you're like, dude, just get me away. Um, so there, anyway, we, we, we do tour. We, we do as many tours as we can do. Um, Warp, Warp's been really good to us. We do all of their tours, um, meaning that we did Taste of Chaos until it ended up not being Taste of Chaos anymore. We did their country tour, of all things. We did, Throw down. Yeah, bro down. Throw down, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did their Metal Fest, their... Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayhem's still going. Awesome. And uh, now they're going back to Europe. So we'll be, we just did uh, London, UK in November. And that was a lot of fun. They had it, they had it in a palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was wild. They, they really wanted to bring a warped aesthetic to the UK. So they made us all bring our booths over. Um, meaning... I'm the only one who did it. Awesome. All the, the, I, don't, I don't think any other American vendors showed up. Um, but, it, you know, it's good for us in the future because we'll get preferential treatment. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we started doing those things and we, um, we did the last skate and surf. And uh, when that imploded, we signed up for the newfangled thing, Bamboozle. Mm-hmm. And we ran that to the end because Bamboozle... Skate and Surf again now? Yeah, Skate, yeah. skate okay. and Surf is coming back, uh, which we will be at again this year. Awesome. Um, so we just started spreading the word and, and getting uh, people to notice us. Uh, and now, 11 years later, it's never it's not a question of who we are. It's um, a question of why aren't you helping us? Mm-hmm. And um, how can you help us more? Well, that was my question, too. Do bands, like, 
ever say no? Like, are you? Mm, yes. That must be kind of weird, especially because you're so in the scene. Like, like, but hey, there, man, what's up? Like, thanks for saying no to doing a shirt for my fucking charity. There's a band. I won't tell you. There's a band from Canada. Um, four piece band who are have big heads, um, <laughs> and we're apparently we're too big for them, or our charity is too large for them. Um, so it's uh, pretty comical. And then we've had other bands. You know, haircut bands that have said no out of just weird reasons. Um, but a lot of managers say no because on paper, it's not a good idea for them. Um, it's great for the pub- publicity that they get for ha- having a shirt with us. And it's great for us because we get to do the right things with their money. But on paper, you know, that's a loss for them. Do you ever have a band say that, you know, uh, we're going to like legitimately like, uh, what you're doing is great. This is a charity we do, and it's a we think legitimate charity. That's where we go, and so no thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Um, but you probably have so much inside info on how charities function. Yeah, it's yeah. I've been doing it for eleven years. Um, we haven't had anybody do that to us. Uh, I mean, if they did, no problems. But um, most people, most bands especially at this stage it's it's not really a no it's always getting through the management who always says no no matter what um because they're trained to you know no Mm -hmm. no 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 okay i'll talk to the band um but if you talk to the band directly it's always yes and then the manager's like fine let's do it um and then now at this point i have a handful of designers i've got 10 different designers and i know what style each one can do really well and so which band okay H2O is coming in. Let's have this guy design it. Um, into it over to into it over it. Just did a shirt, and uh, actually that's a perfect example. Um, a lot of bands nowadays want to give us their own designs, which is great if they actually do it. I mean, we're always a little bit hesitant because the band's like, "Oh, we got this great idea," and that never comes through. Um, like Big D spent three years on their on their awesome design. It was a great design, but it took it three years to finally get it to us. Um, same thing with the casualties. It never came through. But oh, we had this great idea, and it never came through. So when did Fuck Cancer start? We did that. Um, that, was Sean, that was Sean. Yeah, was Sean. Yeah, um, Sean and I became uh, friends at the, near the end of his life. Um, we knew each other way back when. For those but, of you listening, if you don't know, Sean McGrath was the first bass player of Saves the Day, correct? He was also in yeah. the mouthpiece. He was in the mouthpiece. Okay. Yeah, I, knew him, I knew him in mouthpiece. Like uh-huh. we were friendly, we weren't friends. We were friendly, not and it's just you know everybody knew each other back in the day, and um, so when he was fighting the battle of his cancer, he he started uh, handing out shirts to say "fuck cancer," and he he used to go to Gilda's house, um, which was a uh, it's a safe it's a safe zone Lower East Side uh, where it's, it's I think it's actually Gilda Ratter's old house. Um, that's it. It's called say it's called uh, Gilda's house. It's a place that cancer patients can go and just be human. Um, so he would hand these shirts out at that uh, at that location. Um, and when he was passing away, he asked if we wanted to keep that going, um, keep the fuck cancer slogan going. And this was oh three uh, before we started Shirts for a Cure. Um, no, right around the same time. So it's oh five. Oh no, sorry, oh four when we. Um, really started when we started doing church for cure full time uh was when he asked us to take on that um and i i took it very seriously and um 
So we initially... I have that shirt. I have the fuck answer Sean shirt. Yeah. It, it, initially, it was very small. It was like t- type mm-hmm. across the chest, fuck cancer. And for years we had it and it did okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't like in your face and it was, it was kind of like, oh, look at that. People would like laugh a little bit and walk on. Um, <clears throat> a couple years ago, well, six or seven years ago now, um, when Glamour Kills was doing, doing those huge like print shirts, um, we did the same kind of thing that just said, fuck, 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 cancer. Um, and that got us a lot of attention. Uh, that and we did them on we did them with foil, you know, very kid style, um, like purple and blue and colors. Of, and 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 at that time period, I was like, I I started shifting. Like, okay, if I hate this shirt, it's gonna sell really well. <laughs> and and that's my mantra right now. You know, like I'll never wear that, but kids are gonna love it. <laughs> so at that time period, I was like, you know what, I, this isn't going to sell at all, but I bet you it will because I hate it. And and it did really, really well. So we started doing fuck answer shirts in all different kind of styles. We started doing uh, band ripoff shirts. There's, we have one for um, Danzig. We have one for um, Motorhead. You know, they're they're all homages to those particular bands. You know, my one of my favorites is the Battlestar Galactica Frat Cancer. That shirt. was well, yes, <laughs> leading up to it. That that was that came from years ago when Bamboozle was at Giant Stadium. We used to hang these huge ten foot banners in front of our booth that say "Fuck Cancer," and five or six years ago, the owner of the Jets was there and threw a hissy fit because this huge banner said "Fuck Cancer." So he made he made us. Uh, climb this ladder and take black construction paper and put it over the U. But we did it exactly in the U, and the construction paper faded throughout the day. So you could tell, you totally tell what it was. <clears throat> so the the next year, uh, because Bamboozle was always really good to us, we were the first vendor ever to sign up. So they're always really good to us. They always nice. give us great spots and don't charge us the full amount. We couldn't really push it, so we came up with. I mean, it's not our slogan, but well, we, we did a frack cancer instead of fuck cancer, uh, the Battlestar Galactica uh, nod. And that was hilarious because people who got it came over and bought shirts. People were like, what? Nor- natural gas fracking? What are you talking about? Um, Have you, as, as, you know, the Glenn Larson and Ronald E. Moore, have they said anything? Have you heard no. from them? No. I don't think they've ever seen it. Well, I think they may have seen it now because... We are doing a lot more. Well, two years ago, on a whim, uh, I was talking to my, who is now my COO, uh, Katie Brown. And we were talking about what to do in the fall. Um, And she was, at the time, being transitioned out of Atlantic Records. uh, And uh, her last thing was CMJ. And CMJ was coming up, and she's like, she's like, "Oh, okay, we could we could work CMJ and then roll right into Comic Con." We both kind of laughed and then paused, like, "Why couldn't we do Comic Con? New York City Comic Con is huge." At that time, it was a hundred. No, it was, it was ninety thousand people at um, Javits. Javits. So we're like, "Yeah, sure, let's look into it." So we applied uh, to be a vendor, not having any idea what we would do, uh, and. The guy who wrote, who read the email is a huge Hot Water and Bouncing Souls fan and knows us. So right away, he's like, yes, we want you there. We love it. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, he's like, we really want to start incorporating more music. I'm like, okay, I don't know how that's going to work, but let's do it. Um, and initially, we were going to have Hot Water play at the Javits Center um, in our booth. 
But I, I like initially like, yeah, let's do this. And then we were like, this is a really terrible idea. So we ended up not doing that, thankfully. Um, very crowded there. Yeah. And just 10, you know, you have a 10 foot booth and it would just, it would have been a nightmare. So on the, it sounds and, awesome, but <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and you might be by trauma. You know? <laughs> we were actually next to trauma last year. Um, so we, uh, we start, we designed a bunch of, um, well, okay. We approached, um, Johnny X from bouncing souls fan, who is also a comic book artist and he, who's been a fan of ours for a while. And we asked him how we should do this. Um, and he got, uh, two of his friends involved, uh, who are comic book artists and they, each one of them designed a shirt for us. Uh, we had Brian Ewing design a shirt for us and do a, uh, a screen poster for us. And we had our old friend Gerard do a shirt for us. Um, and we also did a bunch of shirts that were licensed, ambiguous, but everybody knew exactly what you were referring to. So you could get away with doing a frat cancer shirt without putting a Valstar Galactica logo on it. Um, so we did frat cancer. License ambiguous is a legitimate term. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, before we dive into the comic stuff, because mm-hmm. this will take forever in a good way. You'd also do sports stuff with fuck cancer. Yes, but that's once again license ambiguous. License um, ambiguous. So. It's uh, we, what we do is we 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 will redesign a uh, what am I trying to say? We'll redesign a jersey or a um, whatever a sports franchise is known for, um, and take their words out and put fuck, fuck cancer in there. We did it with the Mets last year. Uh, we did it with... Um, you have a Flyers, I think? Yeah, we did a Flyer. We did a whole bunch of hockey ones initially. Uh, Edmonton Oilers. That, what, we did it, the first one we did with Edmonton Oilers because I love that logo. I've always loved it ever since I was a kid. So we took out the word Edmonton Oilers and put fuck cancer in. Um, and we actually made hockey pucks, um, which are awesome, uh, that have the Edmonton Oilers fuck cancer logo on them. Um, so we did those. Uh, with Flyers one a Boston one, and a Detroit. Oh, we have Detroit and Calgary. Okay, I thought you had the Nets too, but I might be making that up. Mets? Nets. Nets, no. No. Uh, And then we did uh, the Mets last summer, and this summer we did uh, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, World champion Baltimore Ravens. Uh, (laughs) And that was wildly popular. We brought it out on Warp Tour, and the first day we had it out was... The Baltimore date, of course, it went. Did, did really you ever well. hear from the teams about yeah. this? Yeah. Well, I think we will because um, someone someone gave like Ray Lewis's people one of them. So we'll see what happens. I mean, all the, all they can do is like, can you stop renting these things? And then we, you know, well, we always ask them to send us actual letters so we can publicize it and say, look, NFL is making us stop, do something. Um, right. That's <laughs> like the cool part of having a charity, though. It's not like you're just like bootlegging shirts. You're right. like, you guys are really bad people. Yeah. Stop doing this. Exactly. You want me to stop doing the stuff that we're taking money from to give to impoverished women trying yeah. to get breast cancer treatment? Okay. We, 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 <laughs> sure. Owner done. of the Ravens. What's we, your name again? We, we've done that a couple of times and people are, and, and bands are like, okay, we'll shut up. <laughs> um, so it's uh, so yeah we we do that uh, we do a different sports team every year we don't know what we're gonna do this year it's um, a lot of times it depends on who we have on tour uh, on Warp Tour because they end up selling it so they have to like like the team because they wear it and stuff when I was at New York Comic Con you had a Hellboy shirt yes which knocked me out of the park because one I'm a huge Hellboy fan and had 
interviewed uh, Mike Mignola that day and was like, how did you get hooked up with this dude? And he's like, oh, my God, they're great. So how did you get hooked up with him? Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago when we did this shirt with Gerard, um, he works with Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. And Dark Horse works with Mike. Um, so we started, we, we worked with um, the behind-the-scenes people at Dark Horse to get the shirt with for the shirt with Gerard done properly. So this year, um, I went back to them and said, Hey, we, we really, we love working with you guys. We really want to do another shirt. Who do you suggest? I, we, I would love to work with Hellboy. If, even if it's not Hellboy, even if it's, you know, one of the, um, lesser characters or, or anything from the BPRD. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they, they wrote back like, yes, Mike, Mike loves the idea. Let's do it. And then we didn't hear anything forever. Um, and then eventually, three weeks before Comic Con, we get this, uh, this huge email, um, huge as in size wise. It was a huge tiff um, coming through. And I was like, what the hell's this? And it's uh, the shirt design. Um, it's a shirt, it's a design that's it's exclusive to us. Unfortunately, it's on yellow, but that was what Mike wanted. Um, and it's, uh, it's Hellboy. And it's a great drawing that he did for a, um, I think it's for a print ad that uh, only exists on that print ad and on our, on our shirt. Uh, and we, ha- we debuted it. Um, we, we had an out-of-town out debut at uh, Dragon Con this year, which was not really the place to really judge if it was going to sell, but I, we wanted to get it out it's there. It's a weird oh, convention. Man, wacky. What is that? Dragon Con is in Atlanta, and it's all about... Uh, Cosplay. It's cosplay and What's cosplay? cosplay is costume play. Like people okay. dressed up as their, their favorite comic book character or, like- or anime character and they start and it's these days it's very sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um so you'll have like a sexy Optimus Prime. Like really? Um It's Halloween. Yeah, it's it's Halloween in uh Labor on Labor Day. Okay. For, but for adults. And then so they do that all day and Everything happens in this one hotel. It's beautiful, beautiful old old hotel downtown. It has this, the the biggest atrium in the country, and it's fifty stories hollow. It's beautiful, but everything happens there. And there's a bar at the bottom of the atrium that stays open all night, and people just get annihilated. And people are walking around in these costumes, like things are falling off because they're just so wasted. And it, and it becomes a free for all. But and there are little, little legitimate people there, like Felicia Day is running around, and and uh, Joss Whedon's always running around there. And it's um, it's crazy. When we go mostly for fun. Uh, this year, um, Laurel came down, and Katie Brown was there, and Ed Hewitt was there. It, so we went down as a full crew just to experience it, and also raise the banner of Shirts for Cure, um, test out our new background. We have this awesome um, curved 10 by 8 uh, booth that has all these zombies on it wearing shirts for Cure shirts, Bouncing Soul shirt, Rise Again shirt, Darkest Hour, and uh, Hot Water Music shirts. Um, people love that, so we brought the same thing over to Comic-Con. Are you branching out with more comic book iconography for the shirts? Yeah, we are. We, are, uh, we had the legitimate uh, Hellboy shirt this year. We are uh, actively talking to other organizations now and trying to get other licensing agreements to do more and more unique shirts that are uh, publicized by the companies and also um, legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, license ambiguous is fun, and you can do quite well on that. Uh, T Fury and Ripped are perfect examples of, of organizations that 
make a ton of money by doing shirts that people know exactly what you're talking about, but not legally. You find that's just such a, a giant difference from the band world? Especially yes. from a punk rock background. Oh, very much so. It's, you know, in the music world, the the band really has the say to a certain point. Um, you, you approach a band like Quicksand, and if Walter wants to do it, it's going to happen. You approach you. You can't really approach Batman and have him say yes. You, so you have to approach DC Comics. Well, thanks for ruining. I know, years. right? I thought you just see that signal and then you're good. <laughs> yeah. You can't really like walk that down the street and talk to Green Lantern. Uh, so, and there's only <laughs> four or five. Um, there's only four or five large comic book companies that you would ever really want to work with. I mean, we, we work with, with a lot of small ones and that we're doing fine with them, with them right now. But if you really want to get the Mike Hems of the world, you have to start doing, playing the game properly. And it's strange for us because we've always done Church for a Cure with a very punk rock attitude for us, by us, you know, um, We'll do it the way that we want to do it, and and if we, and we're not going to play your game, meaning that yeah, you know, it's a very I'm stumbling here. Uh, it's it's very DIY, um, and, and we're not going to take meetings, we're, and we're not going to. We're just going to like, look, here we are. We're doing these awesome things. If you want to be part of it, jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to make you sign anything, um, or and we're not going to uh, call you out on anything. But you're also not going to come back at us and take it away uh so and it, that's always been our attitude and it's always worked for us but the comic book world is very specific because yeah. you're walking into an industry that yep. is not known for helping out the creators of the characters mm-hmm. very with much their so. own licensing you know right so we, you know we are we're we're treading um lightly at the moment on how to how to introduce ourselves to this, this new world. Um, we're doing well. Um, last Comic-Con, we walked away with 10 grand. Um, so that's, you know, we're doing quite, and that was after three days. So that's good. Um, and I think that there's only, there's only we can only go up. We have, we have a lot of really good artists who now work with us who understand that world and do fun shirts for us. Uh, and if we stay on the fringes, we'll be fine. But we want to... We want to make as big of a splash as we can in Comic Con, uh, and at the in the uh, entertainment world, um, you do really well at Comic Con and opens other doors as well. Well, especially San Diego, since it's not just comics. Yeah, but San Diego is a weird one. San Diego has been locked out for six years, so we're on the waiting list. But I think well, they that... just they did you hear what happened this year? They sold out all two hundred thousand tickets in nine minutes. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yep. That's crazy. Which now I'm scared. One thing I wanted to mention about Shirts for Cure that I think is awesome is everyone that's worked for you is awesome, like Pat Martin, Katie Brown, Chuck, all those people. I mean, has that been kind of a big part of it, that kind of community? And what are the kind of the other people's roles, maybe? We, we um, well, we started, I mean, okay, we, like I said a few minutes ago, Shirts for Cure is punk rock ethic to a, to a T. So it's all about family. It's all about keeping the people around that that want to be around. And, and initially we kind of found lost souls. Um, Pat Martin was one of our first tour rats and his dad had just passed away and we kind of found him at a, at a time when he was needed something to do that was not just, um, 
touring for a band. So he, he started touring for us. Uh, Katie Brown was uh, trying to figure out what she really wanted to do uh, in the music world. So we showed her a different avenue um, to get into that world. Chuck uh, Chuck was going through a couple of different things as well when we picked him up, um, same with Bobby Soup. So we kind of find these lost souls that we hold on to and they become our family. Um, our friend Heather Ryan always used to say that uh, you, you can never leave shirts for a cure. They always bring you back in. And it's true, you know, um, people who people who left and have come back years later. Uh, Katie Brown, for a perfect example, she started. She was our first tour rat. She did. Uh, her and Pat Martin did um, the '05 Warp Tour on a slave ship, uh, and did so well that they handed me a pillowcase with ninety grand at the end of the summer. I was like, "What the hell do I do with this?" Um, <laughs> United Airlines yanked me off the plane for that. That was pretty awesome. Really? Yeah, wow. I had too much money on me. <laughs> There are rules about that. I haven't yeah. to like check it. Well, yeah, if, if you have more than ten grand, you mm-hmm. have to you have to tell them so they can have a, a guard with we you. We do it all the time. Yeah, so we're really <laughs> but it, it was like this it. dirty blue pillowcase, and I was just like, "What is going on here? This is such a drug deal." Um, so it was, uh, but yeah, so we, we we pick up these people along the way, and we hold on to them, even if they end up not working with us. They 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 want to stay part of our world. Um, for example, is our, our buddy Laurel. She worked for me um, for a short time, and then she ended up moving away. But she still uh, will do anything for us. She'll fly across the country and, and help us set a booth up in Atlanta. Do you still do the Central Park walk, that one? We we don't do the Race for the Cures anymore. Okay. Um, we used to use the Coleman Foundation, their, their main event. Um, they have a couple of different – well, they've got walks all over the country um, – we used to use the D.C. and New York one as a way to um, promote Shirts for a Cure. We, we would never register legally. We would just show up with our black T-shirts and be these little black zits in the, the pool of pastel. I did it one year, and the year I did it, Jonah ran it. Yes. Yeah, that was the first year I moved here. I walked it a couple times after that. But yeah. yeah, I ran it. That was right when I was getting into running. Yeah. And that's like the worst race ever to run because <laughs> you are so packed in. It's like not really even a real race. But it's so, a yeah. sea of like white and pink and right in the middle. It's all this bunch of everybody with black t-shirts on holding giant black placards that said SSE, which that and Fuck Cancer are the two shirts shirts I have left. Good. Um, and And then you get to the end of it and... What blew my mind was they have this, they have someone standing there with the mic and like, here comes the, and before they finished it, you ran up, grabbed the mic and talked the whole thing. It's the Sorrento Savio Endowment and you listed everything we were doing, gave them the mic back and we continue. <laughs> this is me like every year people are like, hey, what's SSC? And I'm like, oh, you talk should talk to, to that, that guy. guy. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to explain this. Like I should, but. Yeah, we got, we started getting so many questions. I just used to have postcards like, hey, I read. <laughs> That's yeah. so uh, oh, let's also give a shout out to Pat Martin's band, Old Lines. Very good. The punkest band I've seen in a long time. Really? Yeah, before I forget. Yeah, they're and awesome. I have to listen to them immediately. Yes. That's what I'm all about. Um, let's end up with, so, not San Diego, you're on the waiting list, but what's the next festival and or uh, geek show that you're oh, doing? Wow, well, okay. What we're doing this spring, I don't know when this is going to air, so I'll just start railing things off. Next week, we go to South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of weeks after that, we're doing Awesome Con in, in Washington, D.C. It's a brand new comic book convention. Um, check them out, awesomecom.com, I think. Um, 
And we're so, and that is going to be a barometer for the next weekend. We're doing C2E2, which is the sh- Chicago um, Comic Con, and at the same weekend that I'm going to be in Belgium for Gras Rock. Uh, so that's going to be crazy. Um, and then we go to Skate and Surf the same weekend that we work the Judd Show. The same work, same weekend we work Punk Rock Flea Market in Philadelphia, and the same weekend we do uh, Palooza Fest. So they really need to start spreading these things out. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's a little bit, little, little bit nuts. So and if then, you like music or comics, yeah. look around. Because we'll be there somewhere. And back on tour this summer on Warped. And um, I can probably announce it now that we are, we're doing a boat show this summer for our 10th anniversary celebration. Um, title fight and other bands to be announced. Ten awesome. years of Shirts for Cure. We should also talk about Stealing Time. Yes, briefly. Uh, ten years ago, I self-published a photography book of my of thir- the first 13 years of my photography. And it was a way to raise a little bit of cash for the foundation and, and in the very beginning. Um, this is before we launched Shirts for Cure and after I had launched the endowment. Uh, and Right now, we are trying to raise $10,000 to republish it and add 10 more years of photography and then once again use the proceeds to go to the foundation. Uh, it's on Indiegogo right now. Um, we have giving levels, everything from $5 to $50,000. For $50,000, you can have the Mountain Souls play in your basement, bedroom, or bar- backyard barbecue. Do it, Stephen, do it. <laughs> 50 grand. Do my what, what we're kids hoping go for? to school, or do I have the <laughs> souls play the basement? What we were, we're hoping for is some dude in Dubai. He's like, yes, come to Dubai <laughs> and, and, and play. And we're like, done. Um, <laughs> so anyway, check us out um, in, on Indiegogo. Uh, donate if you want. The book's pretty awesome. Uh, it's a great history lesson of what I've seen. Um, and you've seen some stuff. A couple things here and there. So in case you have a feeling that you don't do enough for the world, just listen to Mark Beamer and you'll know that you aren't because he has been for years and years and will continue to do so. Uh, go to Indiegogo. Indiegogo, uh, Stealing Time is his book. Um, you get awesome photos and a cool book and you're helping his charity. So, And then shirtsforacure.com. Buy one of their shirts. We've had some shirts up. Jonah's band's got a shirt there. We've got, yeah, we've had a couple. And I think, yeah, I think there's one available now with Mao on it. It's white. It's really cool. For those of you who might be fans of our old program, Stephen's Untitled Rock Show, that was on years and years ago on Fuse, there's an Untitled Rock Show shirts for a cure shirt. Re- oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, we snuck that in there. I probably should have told the company I was doing that first, but I didn't. Punk rock. What? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, just go to Shirts for Cure and look for their best-selling shirts. I'm sure you'll be able to find yeah, you'll it. You'll be able to find them. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be and right at the, at the top of the list. And then at the bottom of the page, you can <laughs> grab the untitled shirt. It's a fun shirt. We'll put links. It'll make it make it easy for you. We'll link it up. It'll be awesome. Speaking of links, go to Facebook.com slash going off track. If you want to leave us a comment, send us a message. We would love to hear from you. If you want to donate to our wonderful podcast, help us keep it going, go to our website, goingofftrack.com. Click on the Donate button. The money will go to a wonderful cause, and that is what you are listening to right now. Beautiful. Shirts for a cure. 